Good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, If you have a Bible, do you want to turn to Psalm 1? Psalm 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words will appear on the screen, but it's good to have the Word of God open if you have it and can read it. Um, And we're going to be in Psalm 1 today, and we're going to be looking at the life of disciples and what what makes Christians grow. And you probably know that over this term, if you've been around for a few weeks, uh, we've spent a lot of our time this term speaking into casting a vision for 2030, our vision 2030. And we've been looking at our vision as a church to reach and restore and resource. It may just be because I have uh, young children, but I hear that and I just can't help thinking of Bob the Builder. Reduce, reuse, recycle. And so somehow I go reach, restore, resource. If I ever get them entangled, I do apologize. But that's the vision we've been casting, that we have this desire to reach the whole community and reach the world for Jesus and play our part in doing that to restore the lives of people both inside the church and in the community and to resource the global church. And we've talked into that and then we've spoken into the giving, the generosity side of it. We've cast that vision and we've now begun to talk about what it is for us to achieve that vision, what it will require of us. And one of the things it will require is for hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people to step into the church to step further in to growing as Christians, to playing a part as part of a local church, and actually to leading as well. And so we've been addressing those themes these last few weeks. And over the last two weeks, Phil has been speaking and looking at how we are called to belong to a local church, why it matters that church, the individual members of the church are supposed to be part of a family, a church body, and play their part there, and how actually we are also called to lead. And that the way we lead is modeled on Jesus Christ and not on the models the world might provide. That is, we are to be servant leaders. And that's where we've been these last two weeks, really looking at how we are going to see this great vision we've been casting achieved. And this week is the third of three, looking at how we are to step into the life of the church. And we're going to look at discipleship. Look at how it is that Christians grow. How it is that Christians become apprentice to Jesus. Now, if you've been around for a year you'll know that we actually did a whole series on this in the spring. And we looked at, through the book of Philippians, we went through eight weeks looking at what the life of a disciple is like. And we studied that book in some detail to see the sorts of things that characterize people who follow Jesus. And what I want to do in this message is in some ways to simplify that. We looked at eight different weeks. I want to simplify that into just three very short words. And actually want to change the metaphor for the Christian life that we used in that series. So they're both biblical. But the metaphor we used in the previous series was we looked at the Christian life as a series of steps, or a journey, or a path, or a way, or a race, but lots of things which actually involved putting one foot in front of the other, if you like. And that's a very common biblical image. We talked about the Christian life as following, as like being apprentice to somebody, following in somebody else's footsteps. In this message, I want us to look at Psalm 1, just take one very simple image, but a different image, and look at three very simple words associated with it to try and boil down the essence of how Christians grow, what Christians do as we develop, and how we are to grow and flourish as Christians. Particularly for those of us who are new to Christianity, I hope this will be just like a simple way of looking at it. And the image we're going to see in this psalm is simply that the Christian life, or the the life of a disciple, is basically the life, like the life of a tree that we are very much like trees. It's a strange image, but that's what the psalmist says. And that as we look at both this psalm and the whole of Scripture, we'll also see that trees grow by growing up, in, and out. Trees grow by growing up, in, and out. 
I'm just going to use that image, the image of a tree, and those three words, up, in, out, as a way of describing the, li- the growth of the Christian or the life of a disciple. Let's read Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the man, and by the way, man, person, right? Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God. The righteous person, the psalmist says, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season with leaves that don't wither. Now, there's all sorts of application we could draw from just that idea and that image. But just before we do that, before we jump into that application, just consider what a powerful, rich image that is for the Christian life. That the Christian or the disciple, obviously this is before these people were called Christians, the followers of God, but the Christian life is like that of a tree. Right? Why is that a good image? Because trees are large and rooted and they're steady and they're stable. And so when storms come and the other plants are being blown around and uprooted, trees by and large stand still. They remain standing. They might bend and they might be seriously buffeted and attacked at some points, but they will remain standing because they have deep roots. The wicked, the psalmist says, are not like that. The wicked are like chaff that the wind just blows away. You know, the bit when you have finished threshing grain and you throw up to see what's going to be, what's going to be, get taken by the wind, the chaff, and what the proper seeds that you actually want, the grain, and the wind just blows away the chaff. It gets rid of it. It's lightweight. It's flimsy. It can't stand strong wind. But the righteous, the, the believer, the disciple, the follower of God is like a tree. And so when the wind comes, it may bend and give, but it remains steady and standing under pressure. Trees are stable, so it's a good image for the life of faith. The tree is not just big and stable, but the tree is also planted by streams of water. Right? Most trees are dependent on the rain. There are good days and there are bad days. And if you are in some parts of the world, you get sometimes where all of your rain comes in about three or four months, and then the rest of the year, you're reliant on very occasional sort of the occasional cloud, but really most of your rain comes in a very sporadic outburst at one point in the year. And so you're really dependent on good days to be able to survive. And I feel like that sometimes, to be honest. I feel like sometimes in life you can feel like a person who is reliant on the good days to keep you going, but you don't feel like you've got a sort of nourishing life source of your own. But if you are planted by streams of water, then even when you are going through a dry spell... And they're like this tree, you see, it's like a, a Christian is like a person planted by a stream of water. You, if it's not raining, and it hasn't rained for months sometimes, you still have a source of nourishment and life coming from the ground beneath you. 
And so even when there are no clouds in the sky and all is dry and everything around you is dust, the water of life still nourishes and replenishes your soul. And in that sense, a tree is a beautiful image for a Christian because if you're anything like me, you go through seasons in life where it feels like God is blessing you abundantly and it's raining all the time and you go through seasons in, the life, in life when it can feel very dry where you can feel like everything I'm asking for doesn't seem to be coming. Every time I look and think, is that a cloud on the horizon that's about to bring much-needed rain? I think, no, it's not. It just doesn't seem to be there. And you'll experience seasons in life. Many of us have lived longer than I have and know from painful experience how those seasons can vary dramatically in their fruitfulness and that how much it feels like God is there and how much you, you can experience the good things. And yet even at those times, the psalmist says, the righteous person is like a, like a tree planted by streams of water. Actually, I am not dependent on the goodness of the season I'm in to bring life-givingness into my life. I don't need it. I want it. I long for the rain. But I know that even when I don't, and I've been through seasons in my life like this in the last few years where I've been crying out, and where I've felt all sorts of coincidences and things that have been against me. I feel like think difficult things in my family, with my kids, where I've thought, where on earth is God in all of this? I don't understand. Yet even at those times, even when the season has looked dry, there is a life-giving water that I am tapped into at my roots. The goodness of God doesn't fail me even when I can't see the clouds in the sky and even when the seasons seem like they haven't turned out the way I want it. So trees are planted by streams of water. This, these trees also, the righteous is like a tree that yields fruit. This is perhaps the most powerful thing about the image, actually, biblically speaking. That trees yield fruit. And the reason it's powerful is because it beautifully illustrates the relationship between grace and works, or the relationship between the undeserved favor of God and the things that you and I do. Fruit is just a stunning image for that. And I don't know that there is a better image in the Bible to describe the relationship between God's kindness to us and our works in response to him. For some people, you see, works are the things that you must do in order to be accepted by God. Right? You have to, in order to gain acceptance or salvation, you have to do a whole bunch of things. That's not a Christian idea. But for instance, the Buddha, his last words before he died were, work hard and strive to gain your own salvation. The last words of Jesus before he died were, it is finished. And the difference between those two final statements of these two great influencers and teachers is as wide as the world. Because on one hand you have someone saying, in order for you to to receive grace, you need to work. And the other one saying, no, the work has been done on your behalf. But for other people, they would actually go the other way. They would say, grace means that works don't matter at all. So it doesn't matter whether you love your neighbor or whether you are sexually pure or whether you are generous, forgiving, hospitable, serve other people or whatever. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you like because grace. That's somehow, sometimes how people reason. On the other extreme, there's, there's sort of the work to gain grace and then there's the, well, you've got grace so you don't need to do any works. And actually, in Scripture, and especially in the teachings of Jesus and John the Baptist and later Paul, works are seen as fruit. That's the image that they so often use. Jesus uses that image. John the Baptist does. Paul does. Works are the fruit of a changed life. And that's such a helpful image because when you think about a tree producing fruit, and I do actually have an apple tree in my garden, 
And I just consider the truth. It doesn't look to me like it's straining to produce fruit. It doesn't look to me like in order to be an apple tree, it's got to somehow get there of its own strength. It doesn't look at all like that. I don't go down there and see the tree. Just, Come on, apple, apple. And it can't produce anything. That's not the way that trees function. But then again, you don't see apples producing oranges either. Apple, apple trees don't produce oranges. Apple trees don't, like, oh, well, to be honest, producing apples is, uh, no, I'm an apple tree now. I don't have to produce any apples. It's all about grace. Instead, what happens is the, 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 the identity of the tree, the DNA of the tree, being what it is, naturally, and you could almost say automatically, but not quite, but naturally produces fruitfulness. That's the relationship between grace and works. Because an, if an apple, an apple tree produces apples, not because it's trying desperately to be shown to be an apple tree, but nor it, does it just ignore the production of apples as if it's irrelevant. Instead, the apple tree says, well, I don't have to do this to prove myself, but this is what I do as a natural outworking of the kind of thing that I am. So all apples have to do is to draw nutrients from the soil, which is not theirs, lift out their leaves towards the light, which is not theirs, and allow the water to nourish them. And that's what I have to do too as a Christian. I simply put my roots down into the soil of who God is in his word. I lift out my, my leaves, if you like, to the light. I trust the sun and I allow the water of life to nourish my soul. And I find that fruit grows even without me recognizing that it is. Notice finally as we look at the, just this, these particular images here, that they yield their fruit in season, but the leaves never wither. I love that because it shows me that some seasons are more fruitful than others, even for a Christian who is drawing their nourishment from the water of life. Right? Some seasons in my life have, I think, been more fruitful than others. Some seasons in yours. Some of you are in seasons of great abundance. Others of you feeling like, wow, I've, I've seen abundance before, or maybe I'm hoping to in the future, but right now it's not. But what's powerful about the image is that although the fruit is seasonal, the leaves never wither. Right? Some, sometimes it feels like summer, sometimes it feels like spring or autumn, sometimes it feels like winter, but the leaves never wither. The tree is evergreen. It's always showing signs of life, even if the fruit is much lower in some seasons than others, even in winter. That is a magnificent picture of a disciple, I think. The righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water. So for, as we're considering the life of the disciple, that's, a, that's the sort of the theological reflection, if you like, on what it is to be a disciple. We're going to consider the Christian life as that of a tree. So I want to run with that image for a bit and ask the question, how do trees grow? How do disciples grow? And I think we can express the answer very simply. Followers of Jesus, like trees, grow up, in, and out. Right? Up, in, and out. Trees first grow up. That's one of the first things we notice about trees. They are tall. And the way that they grow up, and I love this as a description of the Christian life, is they grow up by growing deep. Now, that's not true of you and me, is it? As, as human beings, you, as, in terms of physically as human beings, we don't grow up by growing down, but trees do. Trees, in order to go up, have to go down. It's like Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. And as, it's like as Christians, if we go low, we go high. That's what happens. You, you put your roots down into the depths of who God is, and as the roots go lower, you, almost without meaning to, go higher, grow taller. If you want to go high, you have to go deep. And that's a principle that any tree would tell you. And 
to be honest, that any trampolinist would tell you as well. You want to get extra height on the trampoline, you have to really go deep into the base and up and bang and up. And that relationship between going deep and going high is important for us to navigate because sometimes you could be forgiven for thinking that the way to go high in the Christian life was to keep reaching up for ever more experiences or feelings. But actually, those who grow the most in the Christian life are the ones who send down the deepest roots, often quite slowly and invisibly, for many years, roots in Scripture and in prayer and in perseverance and faithfulness and love for their neighbours. That's the people who grow. It's often not the people who are very visibly jumping up for stuff. It's often the people who you can't even see how much of the roots are going down. But slowly, invisibly, imperceptibly, they are lowering roots to find the nutrients and resources they need. And as they do, they get taller, they get higher, they get stronger. Trees grow up, and they grow up by growing down. Here's how the psalmist puts it in verse 2. His delight, this tree-like righteous person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And it is the psalmist's meditation on the revelation in the word of God, day and night, that leads him to respond with delight and joy. He goes deep. He goes high. So I love the way um, the songwriter Matt Redmond puts it. He talks, often heard him talk about breathing in revelation and breathing out response. You breathe in revelation of what God is and what God has done, and then you breathe out response. Oh, thank you. It's a wonderful description of the relationship between insight, wisdom, knowledge, revelation, scripture, and prayer, worship, joy. It's a beautiful description. And as we do that in the Christian life, as we breathe in scripture, as we breathe out prayer, breathe in scripture, breathe out prayer, our roots grow deeper and we grow up. And that is my motive when I, or it should be anyway, when I read the Bible in the morning, when I spend time in the Word of God each day, I am, or go for a walk to pray, I don't know how you do these things, but as we express that sort of breathing in Scripture, breathing out prayer, that's the, that's the up, you breathe in Scripture, you breathe out prayer. And I do those things not because I am striving to gain my own salvation, I do them because I want fruit, I want to grow up. I want to produce fruit. And because I do, I want to put my roots down deep and in order to grow into the good things of God, to cause my tree to grow. If you want to grow up, you have to put down deep roots. Disciples, like trees, grow up. We also grow in. Trees also grow in. And this is a slightly stranger image, I guess, but trees, as they mature, don't just go up and up and up. They also develop stronger connections between the branches and the trunk and between the twigs and the branches. So if you have a... I've actually got two different kinds of tree in my garden. I've got a a sapling that was given to my wife as a present from her dad and it's still pretty young and it's still at the stage where I could go out and I could snap off the branch and it would, you know, that would be that. I could break the branch off with my bare hands. But I've also got a tree, the branches of which are so thick and strong that we can attach a swing to it and swing around underneath it and the combination the contrast there is that the of course the immature light tree the connections the growing in between branches and trunk is not yet very developed and so they're actually quite vulnerable but as trees mature the connections between the branches and the trunk get stronger and stronger and stronger so you can hang a swing off it so it's not just that trees get higher 
the relationships between the different parts of the tree become stronger as trees grow as well. Their futures become more entangled with one another. They grow in. And the different parts of the tree then all have to serve, play their part in order to serve the others. Right? The roots, the trunk, the branches, the sap, the twigs, the acorns, the leaves, they all have to serve the whole and they all depend on the other parts doing their bit in order to flourish. Well, trees, Paul says in Romans 11, are a beautiful picture of the people of God taken as a whole. As Gentiles, well, what Paul is saying in Romans 11, if you read it, is we are like, you guys are like Gentiles, and I'm a Gentile, most of us are, non-Jews. He said, Paul says, you are like wild branches that have been grafted into an olive tree, that is Israel. Our destinies have become bound up together with other branches in the tree, and with the trunk, and with the roots. And we need to understand that our lives, therefore, are not just to be lived as individuals, but to be lived as part of a whole. We are to grow not just up as individuals, but in, into a whole, into a trunk, into roots that are going to nourish us and sustain us, and to whom we make an important contribution. That's tremendously important for our individualistic age. Disciples don't just grow up, we grow in. Our lives become stronger as they become connected to each other and entangled together. They become one with one another. That's how we're supposed to flourish and function together. You cannot be a Christian on your own. You can't. It's not possible. That's not how God has designed us to function. Just two weeks ago, I saw online a celebrity megachurch pastor announced that their church was launching a new location. And it was done with a lot of sort of advertising video campaign. And then they announced, and the guy, and he looked at the camera and he said, do you want to know where the location is? It's in the phone in the palm of your hand. And they did this whole ad and it went out. I was watching that just going, that is, that's not a church. That's not a, it's great. A lot of you, somebody, some of you are watching or listening to this online. Wonderful. We praise God for the ability to do that. But that's not a church. A church is a place where there are people, where there are people standing next to you, people praying alongside of you, people praying for you, people breaking bread with you. The Christian life is not supposed to be a disembodied, free-floating consumer experience that you opt in or opt out, a button you press. We are a community, which is what Phil was saying two weeks back. An interdependent body, a tree which has knots and sap and shared roots. In fact, even the previous point I made about trees growing up could sound like a purely individualistic thing. You know, you... The main thing about Christianity is that you breathe in Scripture and breathe out prayer. It's, uh, hearing and understanding the Word and praying don't just happen on your own. They happen together. In fact, for most of history, they almost all happen together because a lot of people couldn't read. So the Christian life has never just been supposed to be me growing up on my own. It's about me growing in and becoming part of the tree of the people of God. And at Kings, our expression of that starts with, or is not limited to, but starts with and is mainly expressed through Sundays and groups. And if you've been around a while, you'll know that that's where we sing together and pray together and hear the gospel together and receive the sacraments together and serve and sometimes grieve and sometimes rejoice together. But actually, that's just a start. Trees grow in. In fact, I I discovered while I was researching this message that the growth of a tree actually accelerates as they get older. They don't carry on getting taller all through their life, but they do carry on growing larger and increasing in mass, and that growth accelerates, whereas human beings doesn't. Our growth decelerates, but theirs accelerates as they get older. So even after they've stopped growing up, they are still growing in. 
I find that fascinating. I think you and I may be the same. And actually, some of us may say, well, I feel like I've grown pretty strong in growing up, but over my life, I'm going to continually need to grow in, become more united with, entangled with the destinies of, connected to the other branches in this great tree that is the people of God, and ultimately, of course, found in Christ. So trees grow up, we breathe in Scripture, and we breathe out prayer. Trees grow, we, disciples grow in, which in this church we express mainly, done entirely through Sundays and groups. And thirdly, trees grow out. The purpose of a tree doesn't stop with growing up or growing in. Ultimately, the tree is created to grow out, to produce leaves and fruits and provide food and shade for other creatures. See, trees are not created to do their own thing. That's not the main thing they do. They are there to reproduce themselves. They are there so that the good things that they are and have will serve the ecosystem as a whole effectively to bless the world that's what trees are there to do so are we so are we it's a beautiful image for the christian life that you are there yes to go up and yes to grow in but in order that many other creatures many other parts of the human ecosystem in the world we're in might be blessed by the fact that you are producing shade and producing fruit and producing blessing that they can access and i was just thinking somebody brought a prophetic word in our prayer meeting earlier in the week just, again, to ram home to me the idea that actually trees don't, didn't know I was preaching on this text, but just brought this word from Psalm 1 and talked about the way that trees not only produce fruit and shade, they actually change the atmosphere. Because, and of course, in the Bible times, they didn't know that. They didn't know about oxygen and carbon dioxide, but trees also, if you like, invisibly and almost unnoticed, just turn carbon dioxide back into oxygen for us. And the Christian life brothers and sisters, is to be like a person who not only grows up in maturity and grows in in community, but also grows out in order to provide the world around us with blessing and fruit and help and actually to reproduce ourselves and to change the atmosphere of the way the world is around us. So as we grow out, we do a lot of the same things that trees do. Trees distribute their seeds to reproduce themselves and they bless the world around them with the gifts that God has given them. And so do we. We scatter the seed of the Word of God around us to reproduce ourselves. We proclaim the gospel to the world. And we bless our communities, especially the poor among us, with the gifts that God has given us. That's what it is to be a Christian. To be somebody who grows out is to grow out to bless the world both with our words and with our actions. In other words, as we grow out, we reach and we restore and resource as well, actually. And we'll look more at that theme of reaching out in the new year. But that's something that it is to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who doesn't just go up and in, but grows out as well. And in doing that, we reach, we reach out with our words, the proclamation of the word of God, the words of life, the appeal to respond to Jesus, to find life in his name, but also with our actions, not just with our mouths, but with our hands. The physical things we're able to do for those in need of justice, for those in need of material relief to act in the world and not simply to talk to the world. So disciples are like trees. We are like trees planted near streams of water. We bear fruit in season as a natural result of who we are. Our leaves don't wither and we grow up and in and out. Up as we breathe in scripture, breathe out prayer. We put down deep roots into the gracious goodness of God. We grow in as we gather 
on Sundays and in groups and in other ways and form part of a community where lives are genuinely shared. And we grow out as we preach the gospel and serve the poor, using our gifts to bless the world around us. And in all of those things, as marvelous as they are, in all of those things, we are ultimately doing nothing more than taking our cues from the one person in history who was flawlessly righteous, truly blessed, as the psalmist says the righteous person is, and prospered in everything he ever did. There's only one person who's lived, in that sense, the perfect tree-like life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he, if you read Psalm 1 again in, with the, through the lens of Jesus, you will suddenly realize there's only one person this is talking about in every particular. Right? This is a beautiful aspiration for me, and this is ultimately where I'm going to be, and God is morphing me more and more into this kind of tree-like person. But ultimately, the only person who literally never walked in the council of the wicked and never sat in the seat of scoffers is the Lord Jesus Christ. His delight, day and night, was always in the law of the Lord. He meditated on it day and night. His life was like a big tree, big, rooted, fruitful, and life-giving to all around him so that people from all over the world, billions of us, can come and find blessing in his shade and find his life reproduced in our own. And in his death, the tree-like saviour was hung upon a tree, the tree of Calvary, for us, in order that you and I might not only find shelter in him, but might find life in him by becoming part of the tree that he was forming around himself. And that tree of Calvary, to this day, continues to bear fruit, as the psalmist said the tree always would. It continues to draw the water of life and make it available to people. It continues to have leaves that never wither, and its fruit feeds the world, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. We come to the tree-like Saviour who died on the tree for us, and on that basis, God is making us trees who grow up, in, and out. Disciples who flourish in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the hope of the Christian life. We thank you so much that however like a giant oak we feel, or however like a small sapling that could blow over in the wind we feel, you have made us, as the people of God, you have united us with Jesus Christ, and you have made us into trees that bear fruit in their season that ultimately have leaves that don't wither, and you have planted our roots deep into the soil that we might draw water from you. We pray, Lord, that this would be a church where disciples grow, where we grow through personal disciplines of reading the Bible and prayer, through corporate expressions, through outreach into the world. We pray we would be a church where these things are not just spoken about but lived out all the time, that people would look at us and say, that's what it is to be a person in Jesus. I can see Jesus in you, that you do that for me as a person, and you do it for us as a community. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.